The men and women leading the 21 sports at Campbell University have helped build and guide the Fighting Camels to one of their best years ever. They are talented and hardworking, and most importantly, great people. The kind of people you'd love to just sit down and have a cup of coffee with. Unfortunately, in this 10-second soundbite world we live in, we mainly only get coaches talking about how they won, why they lost, and what's next. This podcast tries to remedy that with two cups of coffee and a recorder. I'm Chris Amire, and this is Coffee with Coaches. Kevin McGeehan's college coaching career began in a windowless basement office at a small college in Pennsylvania. He literally worked his way up the coaching ladder to the Air Force Academy, then to Richmond, helping the Spiders to multiple NCAA tournament berths, including a Sweet 16 appearance in 2011. In 2013, he was tasked with rebuilding the Campbell basketball program. And last March, his fourth as Campbell head coach, his Camels made an appearance in the Big South Tournament Championship game, plus made a run to the quarterfinals of the College Insider Tournament. Campbell won 19 games last season, the second most in Division I program history. Here's his story. All right, Coach. First of all, I've been surprised in my uh, my dealings with everybody that not as many head coaches drink coffee as uh, I thought they would, but uh, you've got a cup there. Tell me how you usually like yours. Uh, cream and sugar. Just uh, I was my, my dad grew up with tea. We always had tea. Um, he, I don't know that he's ever had a sip of coffee in his life. My mom was a coffee drinker. So I started out, I liked tea a little bit, and then... Uh, Switched over to coffee probably uh, when I hit college. Been gone since. You grew up in Philadelphia. Both of your parents graduated from uh, Villanova up there in Philadelphia. You are definitely a Philly guy. Take me back to when you were very young. How'd you start getting hooked on sports? Well, probably just, um, you know, my dad was into sports. He he was a professional um, hockey official. So he uh, officiated uh, in the old AHL, which was uh, at the time, the, or, I'm sorry, the Philadelphia Ramblers, who became the Flyers when they merged, um, Jersey Devils, uh, a bunch of other teams. Sort of like everybody probably remembers when the, in the, it happened in the NFL, when the AFC and the NFC merged, but people probably don't think about hockey. Anyway, he was a, he was a linesman. Um, and so we were always around sports. Um, you know, he actually retired when, when the, like when my mom was pregnant uh, with me, she uh, and about to have me, they uh, offered him. That was when the merge happened, and they offered that he could join the NHL, and uh, you know as an official. Um, and uh, he decided to you know move on. He had a full time job and everything else with it, and um, decided to just concentrate on family and all that stuff. So. You know, and he was a you know baseball player growing up too, and so baseball and hockey were were big. Um, and uh, and then I just kind of, basketball obviously was a, a natural one in, in the city of Philadelphia, and um, just played everything myself. I grew up in a neighborhood with all kids that were a little older, so everybody was at least a year older. But you know, probably two to three was the range, so I was kind of always having to keep up and um, and uh, try to try to hang on and figure out how to compete with those kids and um, you know back then that's kind of how I think you learn more about sports from your neighborhoods and you're playing playing with the kids and uh, you know whether that be uh, competitive sports or you know kick the can games like 
there was just more of that going on, and, and um, but a lot of the sports came from just playing, playing there. And Philadelphia people down here might not necessarily know what an unbelievably rabid sports city it is. What is it like growing up in an environment like that? Well, I mean, <clears throat> most people um, from Philadelphia, you know, you grow up in Philadelphia, you don't know anything else but what you, what it is. And a lot of folks never know more than just that. Um, and there's, there's there's probably good and bad in that, right? There's there's uh, maybe a little less perspective, but it allows you to be so microscopically focused on what you know. You know, I think that because of that, there's there's just great passion and um, pa- knowledge of sports is very high. Um, you know, obviously it's a, a great college basketball city, um, but baseball, football, basketball, you know, all the major sports are are followed rapidly and um, passionately and. You know, I think the the misconception kind of is that everybody's just mean, and and and, and it's really just that you know it's 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 kind of a there's a bluntness to Philadelphia fans and and the people of the area, um, just a kind of an honest bluntness about how you see things, and then you combine that with your passion for the you know the sports team that you're pulling for, the hometown team, and I think you get a a kind of a combination, a cocktail that people, you know, sometimes read the wrong way. But I think it's all rooted in, in you know, just really caring about your team doing well. Who was your favorite Philly sports guy or sports guy in general when you were in the driveway? Who were you? Who were you trying to be when you were little? You know, Dr. J probably, but I really liked Maurice Cheeks. Um, he was a he was the point guard on the great teams. Um, I think he's, when he retired, was one of the all-time leaders in assists and steals. Um, you know, definitely in, in 76ers history, but maybe, you know, somewhere ranked pretty high in NBA history. Uh, he's just really steady floor general who had to play the game. And um, I just liked the way he carried himself. And doc, Dr. J was obviously exciting. High-flying dunks and all that stuff. And I, I probably didn't see myself quite being that uh, in the driveway, anyway. Right. You're a big baseball fan as well. You you still like it to this day a lot. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, uh, really kind of grew up. I would say baseball first, um, and that was probably only a product of that. My dad was more of a baseball guy and didn't know as much about basketball. It was really more just like I really liked it. You know, get an opportunity to play and and and. Um, Little League and all that kind of stuff, and I really liked it. And um, my development on the basketball side came later, so um, where I was pretty good at baseball early and uh, probably started getting better as I hit a growth spurt, you know, about about high school, eight, or, you know, eighth eighth grade, that, that time I started getting better at basketball, and that kind of started to, to carry the day there. But, uh, yeah, baseball is huge. My boys... Um, both play both baseball, basketball. Kind of plays lacrosse. You know, we're trying trying to do as many different things as we can because I think that you know athletes that are more or kids that are more well-rounded and have a broad experience uh, tend hopefully not to you know get bored or burned out and, and also um, just kind of learn the value of competition across many different 
spectrums. You know, I think it. I think if you if you get into one area, I think you, you can get a little bit into a rut, and so we try to do as many things as we can. But they're both really into baseball, like help out their teams, and it's fun. Is that playing as many sports as possible a product of what you have seen from your coaching career and what you know from coaches that do and coaches that don't, or is it more your own experience? Uh, a little bit of both, um, but I do think that I just I see it being it just seems like it's happening earlier and earlier, and you know I see a lot of and grew up playing against and have seen over the years of scouting and coaching kids that have been great players and played three sports. Um, you know, Kid Fromm, for quarterback from Georgia, was in the Little League World Series five years ago. Um, so I think he's going to be okay. Um, <laughs> so I think there is something about sort of spreading it out and, and just making sure that you're give, exposing. It doesn't mean that at some point, I think, uh, I, I think that they'll select something that they really want to focus on. I just think that at 10, it's it's too early because you might miss something, you know, and you never want to miss out on something that could be the thing. And it doesn't mean that it's going to be the thing that's going to get you a scholarship or take you to the pros or anything like that, but something that you'd enjoy, something that you'd love. And, um, and so why not experience as much as you can, you know, when, when you're young? Basketball was a sort was a sport you excelled in later, as you said, in high school, and then of course you played uh, college basketball. T- tell me where you went and what your experience as a collegiate <coughs> basketball player was like. Um, I played at Gettysburg College, which is a, a Division three school um, out kind of past Harrisburg. Obviously, people have heard of Gettysburg because of the historical references. Um, small liberal arts college. Uh, we played in a very good conference, um, the Centennial Conference, which was Franklin and Marshall and Johns Hopkins and uh, Dickinson College and some really, really good academic schools and also good uh, athletic programs. I mean, really like a sort of a mini Patriot, you know, in the Division Three scale um, was what most of the schools were like. And um, it, was, it was a great experience. I mean... Uh, I didn't play as much as I would have liked to, and um, I think that has always been a driving source of why I've always been passionate about continuing uh, to coach and affect kids because I, I, I feel like um, there's more left for me. Um, and, you know, I think there's something about learning from your experience of, of – uh, of being a, a great teammate and a great practice player and um, like preparing the team and when you get your chances, even if not as many as you'd like, um, then being ready to take advantage. And, you know, perfect example is last night's championship game. You know, like uh, <clears throat> Jalen Hurts could have sat on the bench and, and made a big deal about um, about not getting a start in the second half. He was 25-2. and two. He, he, he could have felt like he earned the right to feel that way and he didn't um, and he was happy for the next guy and his teammate and he was happy for the team and he he showed really good um, qualities and leadership I think there's a lot to be said for that and I, I think that some of what I experienced as a as a player and, and and you know maybe not being the star of the team or being able being able to play a ton um, has allowed me to have a, a different vision for how team is and how 
you know the value of every person um, and so you know there were some cracks when I was a senior that were great you know super memorable and meaningful that I got a chance to do some stuff but um, I think that that overall experience was a great one because it taught me so many different things and some of my best friends still are those guys that were on that team those teams with me that you know went through those battles and I can remember being you know as a sophomore junior being the best player on the scout team and you know helping the other guys uh, prepare and you know knowing that I had to be a scorer that day or a shooter that day getting into that role it was kind of like acting in a way you know not there was no no more to it than trying to emulate what the coach needed me to do but there's something about finding your role and your function within a group and uh, being super effective however you can help the group the team in addition to your basketball career um, you got a psychology degree there at school now when I first heard that I thought that makes a lot of sense in coaching and of course you've got masters in higher education and 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 the coaching stuff but what this game boils down to at times to oversimplify it is uh, getting 18 to 21 year olds to kind of believe in the team and, and follow instructions and that. And I could imagine a psychology degree helps you crack that code sometimes, doesn't it? Sometimes. <laughs> um, yeah, I think it's it's good to know how the you know the human mind works and the human condition. But to be honest, I mean. And you know from your experiences as a, you know, you know, the journalism world and, the, you know, it's like the things that you learn aren't coming from the books. And, you know, it's really just about figuring out people, um, how, in the, how to work with people, how they respond to things. Now, all that stuff is based in the, in the knowledge that you gained from your education, but it's really about the you know, the individual experiences, the group experiences, learning from those and then building on those. And um, yeah, if there were if there were a if there were a PhD in what I need, I would have kept going <laughs> in that world because it's it's not easy. Um, you know, and it, it, and I can remember it as a as a student athlete myself. You know, just like you know the ups and downs of being you know, there's a lot going on, right? College student, you know, tests and um, relationships and all kinds of stuff that affects your your daily, um, you know, what c- could affect your daily uh, output on the court or affect or all that kind of stuff. And and so there's a lot to it for sure. And I think I think being one of the things that we try to do is just just be as you know honest and try to be as real as possible mm-hmm. with the guys so that. Hopefully, if something's coming down the pike, or they're hopefully we can, as the coaches, we can we can try to help or pick up on it or support in any way or be plugged in. I mean, I don't, I don't think there's a perfect formula, but I think it's a relational job. Um, you know, building good relationships and, and having good relationships with staff and and, and team players is uh, is critical. After college, you start your coaching career literally from the ground you have built into a division one head coach and you started uh, at the bottom rung of the ladder and if you could just go through that for us and and what you did and how hard you worked to get up here it's um 
feels like a long. It seems like a while since I've told the the sort of how I got here story. But when I um, when I had graduated from college, my, the graduate assistant at um, at Gettysburg was from Lansdale, Pennsylvania, and uh, which was close to my hometown. And uh, you know, we were friendly. You know, good had a good relationship. And he said, uh, "I know you want to get into coaching." Um, I was actually going to take, he was just finishing his master's, his graduate work, so he was going to be out of, no longer be able to coach at, at Gettysburg. And um, <clears throat> so I was going to take this job, but I have to, uh, I think he was getting married and, you know, he had some other things mm-hmm. lined up. And he said, why don't you call, call this guy, you know, this guy that's the new coach at Lansdale Catholic High School, which was Chris Mooney, who I had, you know, was familiar with um, just from, High school, we were about the same age um, from high school and uh, playing days and stuff like that, but I didn't didn't know him. So uh, called him, and um, you know the fortunate thing was that we uh, at Gettysburg, uh, my coach was George Petrie. Well, his brother Jeff was uh, went to Princeton and was a, a you know, great player. I think he was Rookie of the Year in the NBA for the Portland Trailblazers in like '77. So he was like a great player at Princeton. Well, his brother George was Gettysburg's coach, so we had taken a lot of the Princeton offense concepts to to Gettysburg. So although it was a little bit different in how it was implemented or the calls and things like that, a lot of the concepts were, were the same. So when we got together, uh, you know, of course I called Chris. He said, sure, let's, why don't we, you know, grab lunch and we'll talk. And we, we hit it off really well. I mean, just personality-wise, we, we clicked really, really, really well. But um, on top of that, there was a lot of X's and O's stuff, which I really hadn't thought about, honestly. Um, it just kind of clicked in because the things that he was describing were the things that I knew, even though they were called something different or they, you know, they, they maybe were a little different, but so much of it was similar. So it was like, it was like a light bulb went off because it was, um, there's so much commonality there. And, and, in what we were talking about. So then, um, assistant there, three years at Lansdale Catholic. Um, we won a couple, uh, couple championships. Uh, went from, I think, four and 18 was the team we took over. And then we won, I think, uh, district title, uh, conference title. And, and, is, and is that the stuff you, and is that the stuff that you talk about that you guys basically were in the basement converting a windowless room into? I mean, I mean, you, you really did. That was building. So after that, Chris took the Lansdale Catholic was just a normal Catholic high school. Yeah. Then he took the job. Got offered the job at Beaver College, which is a Division three school in Pennsylvania, just down the road. That at that point, he brought me there. I, you know, I I probably could have stayed and tried to become the head coach at Lansdale Catholic, but I really was interested in pursuing college and felt like we were really a good team and what have you. So, um, you know, Chris was the Chris was the events coordinator on campus. So he like coordinated weddings and like any any vendor that came on campus, he had to meet with to show the space and you know collect their whatever hundred dollars to set up a table that kind of thing. Um, and he, you know, obviously there was this huge castle on campus, which was, which you mentioned, which was a, you know, it was like 200-year-old real true castle. And this was at Beaver? At Beaver College. And so people wanted to use that for weddings, so he would be showing that for weddings. It was a really nice-looking place. Well, in the basement, you can imagine something that old, the basement of that was the, um, 
was just not nice. <laughs> so there was actually an old like janitor's closet that I, I had gotten a job with the Center for Education Abroad so that I could be on campus. Because I figured, well, I'm here, you know, I was actually working on my master's at the time as well um, at Westchester, and I just was trying to fill the gaps and make a little money and be on campus whenever I could be. So I worked for the Center for Education Abroad. I think it was like four or five hours a day, but they didn't have a place to put me. Basically, they needed somebody to stuff the envelopes. So everybody who around the country that wanted to go to Ireland or Spain or whatever would, you know, log online and, and request a catalog. Um, and then I would have, go through and stuff them <laughs> into the envelopes and put the labels on. There was no space to do There was no place to go. So they said, well, what do you think about going down into the... Well, I mean, first of all, the, the closet was about, you know, maybe... 10 by 10, but it was filled with boxes. I mean, all the boxes that I needed to use were in there, so it needed to be organized, number one, so that you could work and have storage, and then it was like an old smoke, I mean, it was where the janitors used to smoke cigarettes, so it was like stinky and dirty, and so I painted it, cleared the whole thing out, painted it, it had no windows, um, and I, that's how I spent my days, was just so that I could be there to run across the campus to wash the uniforms when the dry, when the washer ended and the dryer needed to start and you know um, coordinate study halls for the guys and, and all that kind of stuff so it wasn't like storybook by any means because you, you, you but the, the, the beauty of it was just love the coaching part and working with the guys and trying to get them better and it didn't I didn't know what the storybook was supposed to look like do you know what I mean? I didn't. I didn't really know. It was just like you're just doing it because it was, it was what you needed to do. It was what you wanted to do. And um, you know, then then from there, um, Chris got the job. A couple years at Beaver, we did a nice job, kind of turned things around. And um, Joe Scott, who was the head coach at the Air Force Academy, brought Chris out there to be his assistant. And um, and Chris. Uh, so, so for three or four years, I was, uh, two years I was a head coach at Beaver College. So when he left, um, I was a head coach at Beaver College. Then I took over as, I was a guidance counselor at a school just down the road. Became uh, the head coach at the high school there, Springfield High School. Then when Joe left to go to Princeton, now I got it straightened out. Then Chris got the head job and he brought me out there uh, to be assistant at the Air Force Academy. And then one year at the Air Force Academy, we won like, I think, 18 games, and he got the job at University of Richmond. And so then we moved right back to the East Coast, and University of Richmond was there for eight years, had some very, very good teams, and um, made it to a Sweet 16, and a couple NCAA tournaments. It was, it was a good run, and then got the, got the job. Got a fortune of, of having a great um, conversation with Mr. Roller, and, and very, very fortunate to be to be a head coach of the Campbells. You knew that this was a uh, rebuilding program um, when you came. In your first shot at being a Division One head coach, gosh, this is year number number five now. What what have you learned in this time? I think you learn a lot as you go. Um, I can remember like when I was Beaver College's head coach, like just learning that I mean I, I felt so strongly that I had to like 
almost control the guys. Um, and I think part of that was like feeling like I was coming in from the assistant spot and Chris was such a big personality and just showing him that I was in charge. And I, I think I think I needed to do some of that, but I didn't need to do it to the level that it made it um, combative. Um, I think at times it was a little bit, there was nothing wrong, but it was just, I didn't pick my battles well. Um, and, uh, you know, so sometimes it felt like there was tension when it was like, why would we even have tension right now? We're just trying to do a shooting drill or, you know what I mean? Um, and I think, so I think it was constant learning. I think I learned from that experience. And I think, I think a little bit at Campbell, you know, I think one of the things that was so big was to, you know, really lay the foundation of, of, of the culture of, of what we wanted to do. And, and that's a process because, you know, there's already guys on the team and they all have their personalities and, you know, all different kinds of personalities. And how does that mesh with what we're trying to do? And then, you know, it just takes time. It just takes time to get the guys that, that you, that to, to either think, think and act and be the way you, you want them to be or to get the right guys that are going to, you know, recruit the guys that are exactly what you're thinking and, and that's never perfect either, but I do think it's a, that's the biggest thing is trying to figure out exactly what you're looking for. And I think that's something that we've really, we really focused on, you know, trying to get guys that are, that you love basketball, number one, and, and really want to wanna be great um, uh, and really good teammates, um, guys that are good students. Um, and I think that's, you know, it's been a process to get there. Um, feel really good about the group we have now. You know, they're just good guys, really good guys. They, they like each other. We all get along well. Um, and I think, you know, the one, one thing that I, I think sort of came through last season that I, that I learned a little bit was, like, there's some value in just, like, trusting the guys, like, um, and, and trusting. And, and I don't – not that I never – not that I ever didn't trust, but, like, really, like – truly believing in their in, in them and, and allowing them to do allowing it to take some shape um, and I think that uh, that kind of happened for us last year as we, as we had our nice run in the postseason and all that kind of stuff there was a there was a really good energy about that um, and I think they're I think you can give them the blueprint and, um, and I think you can put expectations on them and hold them accountable and, and then I think, you know, you got to leave room in there for them to have that kid still in them that wants to go play the game, you know, back to when I was playing in the neighborhood and when I watched my boys. And um, there's, something, there's something valuable in that. In that that's, that's what it felt like at the end, like when we were UT Martin. And it's like they felt like little kids so happy to be playing basketball. And... Um, and so I think that that's something that I, that I think we could take from last year and try to, you know, try to make sure we never lose sight of um, that, 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 that drives the, that drives the whole train, that passion, that, that energy, that desire to, to be that little kid that wants to, just wants to play, wants to win. Finally, you've uh, mentioned them a couple of times, but your, uh, your wife and your kids are a big part of your life. Tell me a little bit about, about home. 
Well, it's crazy at times. Um, it's all good. Um, they're wonderfully supportive. Um, you know, we're, I'm so fortunate that this is not an easy profession on families. Um, Melissa's so uh, understanding of of my situation and our situation, and, and tries so hard to to uh, you know support that in any way she can. And you know, I think that's that's not, not easy on anybody. Um, and I think that you know a lot of times. Uh, what I what I try to do is that the time the time that I'm not giving to Campbell is basically for them, you know whatever whatever that is that might be changing light bulbs and you know or painting or fixing the door or it might be in the ball field. Um, you know there's not a lot of there's not a lot of golf days for me. There's not a lot of uh, boys trips. You know it's it's it's. Campbell and then and then the family and um, but it's been it's been wonderful it's uh, so much fun with you know having three now it was really cool over Christmas because my uh, brother's family came down and now now that his kids are kind of of age that they all the kids were playing together so it was like kind of fun to see that dynamic and um, but yeah the boys are um, quite competitive um, and <laughs> And it's uh, I think that's going to serve them well in time. Uh, on a day to day, sometimes it's a little much, um, but they, you know, they love each other and they love Grace and 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 it's it's fun. It's fun because they're so active and um, smart. All all three really smart and and um, fun to be around. And you know, they care about each other and love each other and they're good good kids. So it's uh, it's been a good ride. You know, I want to want to. I want to always try to keep sight of that they're, because um, I think it's easy to when you just get so entrenched that you know it, you just put your head down and go. Uh, always want to try to make sure I have a vision, I have uh, you know have my eye on on that part of my life. Thank you, Coach. Thank you.